but today is extremely exciting for two primary reasons. The first and most important is that this is Vision Sunday here at Grace. Anybody excited? Vision Sunday? If you cheer louder for this second thing. It's also football launch Sunday. All right. No, stop. You can't clap for that when you didn't clap for the other thing. Today is the day that the Ravens will begin their third Super Bowl bid. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Some of you are about to walk out now. They're like, I didn't, I didn't realize this was a heresy-filled church. <laughs> no, so it's Vision Sunday, and if you're new to Grace or you've been with us, you've been rocking with us for a minute, you know we call ourselves a vision-based church. The word is clear that the people perish when vision is not present. So when we say we're a vision-based church, uh, to me what that means is that we don't go by blueprints. We don't take other churches' content. We don't go online and say, like, what's the trendy thing to do? No, 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 no. We get together as leaders, and we sit and we listen. And sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes we don't hear right away. But we've committed that we will wait until we hear. Because if we're not moving forward with what God has said to us, we're not moving anywhere. So God has given us vision, family. And we feel that it's very, very clear so I'm going to pray for us, uh, and I'm just going to, we're going to get right into where we feel like the Lord is leading us this year, all right? If you would, pray with me. Oh, Father, you are so good. I thank you that not a single person in this room or online or anybody else for that matter earned the breath that we woke up breathing this morning, yet you gave it freely. I thank you that we have a million more things to thank you for than we could possibly even come up to complain with you're that good. Father, I thank you that you sent your only son to die on the cross for people who were not worthy of that, yet you see us and you love us and chose us anyways. Would that break our hearts again this morning? Father, as we submit today what we think that you've said to us, we say this is all for you, all by you, and all to you. God, would you be glorified by your people listening to you and doing their best to follow you. And Father, I do pray in this room this morning that new things would be established in our hearts, minds, and souls. In Jesus' name. And all God's people sang. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Come on now. Amen. That was... That was some of the better it's ever been, to be frank with you, to be frank. There wasn't a clear disparity between left and right. Okay, so vision, vision. I got to get into it because I feel like I got a lot to say this morning, and I'm going to try to keep it, you know, succinct for y'all. We just left a vision season. What was our last vision season? Victory. It was victory. We really felt like, man, the Lord is, or the, the world is in such this just depressed, suppressed place. We're coming out of COVID, right? And half of the people don't know what, like, we don't know what to do with ourselves, man. The whole world just shut down. And we're being told this, and we're being told this. And it's more divisive than it's ever been in all these things. And we're asking God, well, what do those people need? And they're like, they need to walk in the victory they already have. Why are we acting like we lose? Hey, if you know Jesus, you don't lose, period. So we walked in this season of victory and we said, hey, it's already been given to you. The question is, are you putting feet on it or not? There's a lot of people that claim to know Jesus or even do know Jesus and are struggling to walk in that victory. So we, we devoted almost an entire year to just saying, what does it look like to walk in the victory that's been freely given to us? And that was our vision last year. We felt it was so clear and we walked in things like freedom in Christ, right? How many of you did freedom in Christ last year? How many of you were at the battlegrounds of the mind Wednesday nights? 
And there was like 300 there, so it was probably a lot of you. So we had all these resources. And by the way, Freedom in Christ is actually coming back this fall. So you'll be seeing Freedom in Christ offered again, so be paying attention for that. Uh, But we saw victory just uh, begin to permeate who we were. It was this word that just started coming out of us naturally, right? And as we go into the fall this year, we believe God has spoken clearly again. And the direction, and I'll just give it to you, our direction word is up on the screen, and it's establish. Someone say establish. I'm going to explain this to you. Uh, My goal for today is this. What is established? How do we go about becoming established? And then what do we do today going forward? Those will be my three things that I want to get after today. But I'll explain to you briefly how we got to this word established. So I was meeting with Keith Yoder. He gets mentioned a lot. He's one of our two overseers here at Grace. Again, if you don't know a lot about the quote-unquote hierarchy, I don't really like that word, but like the structure, if you will, of Grace leadership, um, we have neutral uh, uh, like Keith and the like overseer, Keith and Ben Abel, who, who don't come to grace, so they can give neutral perspectives to leadership, biblical perspectives to leadership. When we get all up in our own heads or we think things have to be a certain way, they, to be frank, rebuke us. So I was <laughs> sitting with Keith Yoder, and uh, I've begun meeting with him on about a bi-monthly basis, something like that, and we're up in Lancaster at his office, and we're talking about uh, my messages, and he was <laughs> friends. I've never gotten more scathing message reviews than from my brother Keith, okay? Uh, So just know that that is happening. But he was talking to me, and he he was like, Phil, you know, it's great to get up there and say things emphatically and be dynamic and excited because people listen to that. People are engaged by that. And, but he said something that I have not forgotten since, and it's, I think, the Lord leading us from that moment. He said, it's, there's a difference between saying something emphatically and it being established in the room. And I was like, what, what kind of Chinese jargon is that, man? I didn't say that. I thought it, though. But I left the office that morning, and I was like, what in the world is he trying to say? Like, I think that we're getting word, the word across to people. I think people are responding. I mean, obviously, we've got a pretty large church family. That's beautiful. That means, like, people are on board. We're resonating together. We're family, all these things. And yet this word established is just all day just ringing through my brain. What does that mean? What does it mean for something to actually be established versus just saying it? Well, I wake up the next morning, and I get on the Bible app, okay, and the verse of the day, and I could not make this up, it was the very next morning, was Proverbs 16.9, which says, In their human hearts they plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And I said, okay, God, you're saying something. I just need to start listening. So fast forward, we go to our vision day away. We have, we have a team of us that went to Summit Grove and we spent the entire day and we're wandering the grounds and praying and meeting and planning and plotting. We got vision boards, all this stuff, right? And we go through, I mean, three hours of vision board planning. We get to the end and our, the Lord was like, Phil, you have not brought up established. You just planned so many things and you haven't even said what I said. So at the very end, I just said, hey, I forgot about this. I really think the Lord is leading me in the word established. I don't know what that means. And I'll, I'm not exaggerating. I feel like within 15 minutes, the whole room was like, yes, that's it. That's where God's leading us. And we looked at the board and we were like, the word wraps up all of it. Like everything we already planned, God had put a word on it and we just didn't know. We just didn't know. So we feel deeply that God is leading us in this word established. So let me just edumacate you really quick on what this even means. So the Greek word for establish is sterizo, sterizo. And it means this, to make stable, to place firmly, or to set fast. Another definition is to strengthen, make firm, or render constant. Render constant. It's used 13 times in the New Testament, 12 times specifically by Paul in his epistles. 
And it's used throughout the Old Testament with multiple translations of the word. But each time we see it, it's used and implied that something is being made more stable, more firm. Anybody in this room could use a little more stability? Every time it's used by Paul, it's saying something to strengthen, something that's unwavering. But before we get into some points, I want to put up our keynote verse, which is also on the screen, but I have a separate slide for it. Proverbs 16.9. In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. So I'm going to go ahead and just give you my first point. We're going to start diving in. What does it mean to be established? Because we have two more weeks where we're going to talk about this idea of being established before we launch a series that will tie into it. So my first point that we need to get into about this idea of being established, and I will define it further for you, hopefully make it a little more tangible, is this. God establishes, we don't. It's, I mean, like, for me, it's just it's so important to identify first as we delve into a new season of vision and momentum that as much as we want to plan, I'll be frank, we have almost the entire next year planned out already. And yet, you know what we've submitted? That those are our plans, <laughs> he might very well change them. Why? Because we can plan, and that's a good thing, but he establishes. You know what I want? I don't want us to just have a bunch of cute series and to do a big, long book study and to do it well. I want God to establish something in the room. You know, there's a lot of churches that study the Bible every single day, every single Sunday of every single year, and not a lot is established. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. God establishes we don't. Let's just be honest here. When I originally heard this word established, and I'm processing it right, I'm brewing on it. I'm like, all right, God, what do you want here? Like, I, the word established gets me hyped up. I'm like, heck yeah, let's go establish some things. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean anything. But you walk into Walmart, and you're like, I'm about to establish something in this place. You got no idea what it means. You go into your home and I'm like, I'm establishing this family. We will be established. And your kids are like, when did you learn a different language, dad? And I'm like, I didn't. I'm speaking in tongues. Come on. So I got hype. I'm like, let's go build some stuff. Let's create some groups. Let's serve the community. Let's make new foundations, right? I'm getting all hyped up. And, and yet the word is so clear that our hearts, our desires, our ambitions will plan a course, but only God establishes them. Therefore, our plans are only so valuable to the extent that God does something in them. So this means that if we truly want to be established in our lives instead of just floating around purposely, which, purposelessly, which unfortunately myself at times have done and so many I believe in the world are doing, we have to do things like what? I have to wait on God. I have to listen to God. I have to give up what I want when God says no about this. How about this one? I actually have to ask God what he wants regardless of what I want. And let's be frank, this makes our flesh scream, doesn't it? Wait a second, Phil. We're 10 minutes into this message, and you're telling me that for me to be established, for God to do things in my life, to establish new things, for things to be firm uh, and stable and strengthened, I have to get rid of what I want? That ain't a popular message. And even for the people in here that are like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, take everything. You're still going to go home and watch eight hours of football tonight and eat that pizza. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Yes, Lord, take it all, but don't take that thing I've been watching that you don't want me to watch. Yes, Lord, take it all, but I really like that, that gory pornographic Netflix film that I justify. Yes, Lord, take it all, but I don't want to be patient with those people that are really difficult to me. I came to preach to everybody today. 
but it makes our flesh scream. Why? Because, like, I have goals, man. I got things I want to do, stuff I want to accomplish, things I want to achieve, places I want to explore. And we live in this go culture, like be the best you, make your own success, pursue your happiness. I've brought this up a million times because I want to kick the whole sign down if my leg was strong enough. Our stinking state sign says pursue your happiness. What does that mean? Everybody pursues their happiness to misery. How about we shut it down and say be miserable, just put it on there. (laughs) Might as well, that's where you're leading them. Right, but we have this mentality, and, and I'm so guilty of this. Like, I'm a goer. Like, I want to do things. I want to accomplish things. I'm like, why are we we're wasting so much time? Waiting is really hard for me, by the way. Anybody else? Resting is really hard for me. Anybody else? And that's what God is saying. I, I've quoted this, to, uh, this study before, but there was a worldwide study of, of cultures. And it, it studied two things, whether a culture was collectivistic, meaning they were family-oriented, they loved each other, they were community-based. Or they're individualistic, meaning they, they highly prioritize personal success. Do you know the United States of America was the only country in the entire world that overall qualified as individualistic? Only one in the entire world. Every other one, holistically speaking, was collectivistic. They valued culture and community and family. But we, we are goers, we're doers, we have plans and all these things. And while none of this is inherently bad, family, what we want to begin with in this established series starting today is, listen, that doing something is different than God establishing it. Everyone in this room has done a lot of stuff. Lots of us in this room have achieved a lot of things. Maybe you've made a lot of money, maybe you build a big family, maybe you have some type of legacy, maybe you have blah, 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 blah. Doing something, which everyone does in the entire world, is different than God establishing, and that's biblical. Right out of this verse, Proverbs 16, 9. Let me give you some examples. Like, just because you're successful in business doesn't mean God established it. Maybe God made you successful at business to establish generosity in your heart. Just because you're broke doesn't mean God established that. Maybe you're broke because God wants to establish hard work in you. Just because you've traveled the world doesn't mean God established it. Maybe God let you travel the world to establish you as a missionary. Just because you're talented at something doesn't mean God established it. Maybe God made you talented at something to establish a platform used for his glory. Just because you call something love doesn't mean God established it. Maybe God is showing you what love isn't to establish that he is love. Oh, come on, somebody, just because you're in a relationship does not mean God established it. Maybe God wants to establish you in singleness so you learn to love yourself instead of turning to relationships. Just because you're insecure and call it introverted doesn't mean God established that. Maybe the insecurities you have are the avenue that God wants to establish boldness. Just because you're egotistical and call it confident doesn't mean that God established that. Maybe that huge ego trip you're on is why God wants to establish humility in you. Do we see the difference between doing something and God establishing something? Is this stirring anybody right now? Does this have you thinking about, oh my goodness, what's established in my life versus what isn't? I hope you're thinking that because that's exactly where we're headed. So let it stir Let it stir. Do we see the difference between our efforts versus God's establishment? What God establishes, listen, will line up with his word and his heart and his spirit every time. Every time. If you've got stuff in your life that's even successful by worldly standards, but it does not line up with his word and his heart and his spirit, 
God didn't establish it, you did. And the human heart plans its course, but only God will establish the steps. It's almost like we could call it big E versus little E, similar to big G God versus little G God. We got a whole bunch of little G gods. I wonder if we have a whole bunch of little E establishments in our life. Oh yeah, you've done some stuff. You've achieved some things. You're at a certain point in life. And I wonder how many of those things are little E because we didn't let God stamp the big E on it. Yet the big E is the only thing that matters. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us anything that's, listen, built, that's not of God will what? Burn up. Oh, so you can build. I can build. I can, Phil, Phil can go achieve things and I can go plant even, how about this? I can go plant ministries. I can go start house churches. I can go do X, Y, and Z and I can go love the community. And yet if it's not built up on the foundation that is God, if it's not established big E on what it needs to be established on one day, all of that work will what? Burn up. So let me ask you the question, if the truth of scripture is that we can plan, and that's not a bad thing, but God is establishing, and maybe that's stirring our hearts a little bit. Maybe we're starting to search for the difference in our, in our lives and what we've done and what we're actively doing, and that's a good thing, by the way. This is in no way, shape, or form meant to condemn anyone that's like, I got a lot of little E's. Me too. I'm just here to get some more big E's. Anybody, amen? Not in school. I'm talking about in God's kingdom. You know what I'm saying? So if we're searching for that, like, let me just ask you the question, like, get it brewing. As I'm talking, what has God established in you? Even as I'm talking, you're like, oh, yeah, I know God has done that. It's almost like second nature to me, and I'm, we're going to talk about that in a second. But be thinking about that. Like, like, what's just normal to me and comes out of me without even thinking about it? That means it's big E established in you. So I guess the next question is, how do we know? All right, Phil, you've just pounded us for 12 minutes with what established means emphatically, hopefully excitingly, I'm stirring a little bit. I'm either stirring about ready to leave. You're one of the two right now. And you can't leave because it'd be awkward, and if you get up, I'll call you out. And then you're I'm just going pee. No, you're not. Sit down. <laughs> it's good to laugh, isn't it? So the next question, I think, is, is how do we know? I'm going to pull this out of James 2, verses 14 through 17. Very popular passage. It says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no, say it, deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Imagine this, by the way. Just, just, we do it, though. Picture this. And, and one of you goes and says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is that? You know what he's saying? It's great to have intentions. They're worthless if you don't do anything about your intentions. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Look at the first sentence, though. That's where I want to sit. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? I want to, like, pause there because this is clearly not meant to be, again, like, attack at us. This is not meant to be what I think some people come into church and like, oh, you ever do is tell me what I do wrong. No, stop it. God does that, okay? But he's clearly being gentle, right? He wouldn't stop and say, my brothers and sisters. It's compassionate. It's gentle. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Second thing I want to highlight about establishment is this. What's truly established will be seen in our actions. What's truly established, not what we claim we believe, 
Not what we like to think about ourselves. Man, son, listen, y'all, we tend to, do, I do this. We do this thing where we hold ourselves way higher than we actually are. Well, I have great intentions, and I, would, I love to help the needy, and I love to love my family, and I love to be patient with everybody, and then we do none of it. What's established will be seen in our actions. So I believe, of course, there's other ways to realize God has established something right, so it's like someone else could call it out in you. Hopefully that's happening in your life, someone highlighting the spiritual gifts you have and the things that God has established in you. You could see it in the word and realize, like, oh my gosh, I do this. I didn't even know I was doing it, but I'm doing it. You know, it's been established in you. The spirit could remind you of things. Of course, there's other ways. But I think it's fair to say that maybe the primary way to know, and I would argue this is scriptural, if something has been established in you is if you do it. Can, can we just, maybe not yes and amen this, let's not actually, but like, Church can be a lot of lip service sometimes. It can be a lot of lip service, man. Imagine if like every person in this auditorium walked out and go, you know, went and donated $1,000 and adopted a kid and went and loved somebody and clothed somebody. There'll be a lot less homeless people in about 20 minutes. Sometimes church can be lip service. Sometimes my faith can just be lip service. And those are the things not established in me. Does that make sense? Those are the things that have yet, God has yet to either me not letting him or it's just not his timing for him to stamp it in me so deep that I have no other option. Look at Matthew 7. Jesus is talking and what does he say? He says, you'll know them by what? Their fruit and their works. You'll know them by their fruit. And he's actually talking about Pharisees, ironically, but I think it goes both ways. You're going to know people not following the Lord by their fruit and you will know people following the Lord by their fruit. What does that sound like? Establishment establishment. You know what goes really deep under a tree in order for it to bear fruit? Deep roots. Sounds like establishing, doesn't it? Let me give you an example. Um, so during the storm, how many of you had houses affected by the storm a few weeks ago? Yeah, God, God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Hopefully, first of all, hopefully insurance did their daggone job, okay? <clears throat> and then hopefully the community came around you. But um, I want to share a story. So <clears throat> the day after the storm, we were meant to have the Grove, and I, I started hearing of the carnage, and I live up in Dallas Town, so we had gotten, like, heavy rain and, a, like, a little bit of wind, but, like, nothing. I mean, nothing was destroyed, nothing. I mean, it just seemed like a storm to us. And I wake up in the morning, I'm seeing all these stories. I'm seeing, like, gosh, people's barns are destroyed and houses, are, and there's trees all over the roads and all this stuff. And, and literally, I mean, just immediately, I messaged my Grove team, and I was like, hey, I think we should cancel tonight, and I think we should just go out in the community. Like that we're the church, right? Why would we stay in the church building when the community needs help? Like that doesn't make any sense. So we went out. We sent out probably like 25-ish people that night, covered about, I think like eight or nine properties. Well, then the Grove team, and I give them so much credit, a, a lot of my young adults were just like, can we just keep going? Can we keep going? Keep going? About eight or nine days later, we had covered 22 properties, effectively almost clearing all of them. All right, so he, first of all, let's give glory to God. Let's give glory to God. And I do want to give honor to some of my young people who day in and day out were like, hey, do you have more addresses for us? We'll show up now. <laughs> so I'm scrambling, texting people, is your stuff broke? I got young people with chainsaws. <laughs> we did. We had a lot of chainsaws, man. But, but the reason I tell you that is because we did all this, right? And, and, and I, I believe the community was blessed and people were loved and all this awesome stuff. That's what it, it should be normal, by the way. But I'm sitting in a meeting with Jeff a few weeks back, and we're talking about establish. And we're like, we're really just listening to the Lord. I'm like, all right, what do you got for the body? What do you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he asked me, like, well, what's established in you? And I was taken aback. I was like, Jeff, don't make this personal, okay? 
No, but I really, it's interesting. I really hadn't thought about what's establishing me. I was thinking about what do we want to establish? What's establishing grace? Like we have so many pillars here at Grace that we'll talk about that are established, right? They're firm and foundational. And he's like, what's establishing you? And I, I like, I think I probably paused for like a full minute. I was like, I mean, I could probably give you some answers, but I'm not really sure. And he brought up the Grove Serve Nights. And he said, did you even have to think about that? I was like, well, no. What else would have we done? Sat inside? And he's like, Phil, serving and loving the community and people is established by God in you. Do we see it? Does even right that just begin to resonate like what establishment means in our hearts? I didn't think twice in this. No credit to me because God's the one who established that in me. But I didn't even think twice. I was like, who's got chainsaws, who's got axes, and who's got rakes, and who's got two legs? And we were able to send people out, but it took someone else calling it out and saying, Phil, do you not realize the reason that was so easy for you is because it's established in you. So let me ask, let me ask, what's established in you? What comes out second nature? What things of God are so normal to you that you do them without even thinking about them? And it is such a humbling reality to actually redefine that and say, God established that in me. That's not just a gifting. That's not just my personality. That's not just how I was raised. No, 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 no. The Lord of heaven established that in you. So be thinking, what is he established in you? It's so important, I think, to recognize these things because what's established will be seen in our actions. And then I was thinking about grace as a whole, and I'm like, dang, New York Regional Dream Center, adopt the block, buying a house in New York City, Grace Cares, Stephen, Stephen's ministry, like we have, and more, and there's way more. We have tons of huge ministries solely devoted to loving people. They make no money. Why? God has established it in this place. Service isn't an option to us. It's a necessity. Do you see, is this starting to get us to where, oh my gosh, I see what's established. I see what maybe needs to be established. It's a beautiful place to start going. I know for me, as I've redefined in myself, oh, Phil, you're just good at this. No, 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 no. God established that in me. That's a completely different mindset. That's a spiritual mindset versus a carnal mindset. I hope we see the difference. So friends, uh, something that God has grown and established in you is gonna be something you do without even thinking. You just go. You just love people. You just, uh, it's things that God has ingrained so deeply in you that they're natural, and that's just amazing. To me, it's such a fresh view. And I hope it excites you, even as we're just beginning to think about this. This is the beginning of this established vision. As you're beginning to think about this, I hope it excites you for the future in the next few weeks about what God has established in you and maybe what he will continue to establish in you. But now here's the reality. Establishment doesn't happen overnight, right? That's important to note. Because if you walk out this morning and you're like, well, I want that established in me, and then you leave and you're disappointed and you go watch the Ravens win by 50, like that's not going to do a lot for you this morning. <laughs> it's a process, right? It doesn't just happen one Sunday morning. And, of course, God can do that if he likes. But my experience has been that it takes time. It's a process. So I want to illustrate a little bit of what I view as this process. I'm going to call it imparted versus established. Imparted versus established. Now, I know there's biblical verses about impartations of the Holy Spirit and things like that. The way I'm defining imparted is that it's been told. It's been heard, right? So be clear about that. So imparted for me is, is something, and by the way, I got this model from Keith actually in that same exact meeting. We learn something from God, either a teacher or a mentor or a preacher or the scripture or a Holy Spirit moment, and it's been imparted on us, meaning we now know it. I know it now. I've gotten the information. I've received the information. I've received the truth. Established, establishment is the knowledge is reflected on, exercised, and put into action. 
It becomes firm and a stable part of your life, growing and multiplying due to the imparted truths. So due to what you learned, due to what you now know, a lot of church people know a lot of things. How many of us are actually doing it, right? So due to what we know, we actually put it into action. It becomes a stable part of our life. Do we see the difference? Okay. And we all have, I got a bunch of both of these. I got things I know that I don't do. I got things that I know that I do a lot. Right? Fair? We all got that. And if any of you don't, you haven't been raptured yet. So I don't, you know, I don't know why you're still in this room. Enoch, okay? <laughs> so let me give you examples. <laughs> let me give you examples. This is thick biblical knowledge, people. Let me give you some examples. So my, my daughter, Brinley, I got three baby daughters. Uh, I think one of them's over there right now. I'm not sure. She's my little tiny chick nugget. But this is Brinley, my two-year-old. She's turning three this month. She is, I don't like calling it the terrible twos. Please stop saying your kids are in the terrible twos. It's the terrific twos. You're going to miss those days. Amen. But it is terrible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing, y'all. It's tough, though. How about the tough twos? Tough twos. So, so she's in that se- season, right? And I'm going to give you a couple examples. So uh, we have a chicken. We got chickens. All right, where, where my hillbillies at? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> I, got, I got chickens. So we got a couple chicks. We got a couple chicks. They're so adorable. Um, we had three. Two got eaten by a hawk. That's really sad. Uh, but we have one, which we are very protective over now. <laughs> So we have one, and Brinley just, she's a nature fiend. She loves, like, picking up the chicken. She loves the chicken. Here's the thing. She's aggressive with the chicken. This thing's tiny. I swear she's almost ripped his wing off, like, a thousand times. So she, like, recently, if she goes to touch a chicken, it's a new rule, like, no. Like, you're, you're cut off, girl. It's too much. So she'll, like, just yesterday it happened. She goes to touch chicken. I'm like, Brinley, don't touch chicken. She looks at me. She goes back to touch chicken. I'm like, Brinley, don't touch a chicken. She looks at me. She goes back to touch the chicken. And I'm like, Brindley, you hurt the chicken. You're too aggressive. Don't touch the chicken. She looks at me. She stares at me. She makes direct eye contact. And then she turns and picks up the chicken. I imparted a necessary truth. Obviously not established. Do we see the difference? I'll give you another example. Every single time we get in the car, and I do mean every single time. I'm not big on absolutes, but I mean every single time. Uh, We go out into the garage. She walks out. I'm like, Brinley, get in the car. (laughs) She looks at me. She turns back. She starts playing with the toy in the garage. Brinley, we got to go. Please get in the car. Starts playing with another toy. Brinley, I get stern. You know what I'm saying? I'm intense. Okay, I'm tough. (laughs) Feels rude. I say, Brindley, we really need to go relate. Get in the car. Turns me. Locks eyes. This is at least 15 seconds of this. Turns around, gets on a tricycle, rides right out the garage. (laughs) Established or imparted. I told her what was needed. Not established. But now let me give you an example of what we've uh, seen as establishment. This is really cool. So I got a five-year-old as well. So Evie, same thing. We, we, you, you, you deal with this with kids, right? She doesn't listen sometimes too. But one thing we've tried to impart since she was literally born is prayer. We pray before bed. We pray at meals. We pray when people are sick. We pray for our friends. We do all that stuff, right? So she doesn't always want to pray. We always ask her, hey, do you want to pray? A lot of times she says no. Sometimes she wants to. We're on the way to school. One thing I got to give my lovely wife credit for, she's uh, made this habit of praying on the way to school for school. She doesn't always want to do it, though. So just this week, uh, I think it was Tuesday, we were on the way. We're about five minutes out, and I was like, hey, Evie, do you want to pray for any of your classmates or pray for school? She was like, yeah. So she starts praying, and she prays specifically for one of her, her little classmates. And then she says this. She says this. And God, I pray that I would be kind and honoring in school today. Amen. And I, yeah, I said the same thing. I was like, what? 
You said, huh? And you know what God's whispered to me just so gently in that moment? He was like, that's being established in her. It's not established yet. It's being established in her. Do we see it? Do we see the difference? I hope these, these definitions and visuals are, are starting to like really make this click for you as we go forward. But I had imparted wisdom. I'd imparted what she needed. And she's slowly starting to do it. That's establishment. I'll give you one more example of my family and establishment. Me and my wife, I got to do all the levels now, right? It's only fair. Me and my wife uh, were at home this week. This was literally this week. And she's doing laundry. I'm going to be frank, y'all, I hate laundry. I hate it so much. I'll just, I'll just not wear clothes. I would. <laughs> Take me back to the garden. <laughs> I'm ridiculous. I'm sorry, y'all. So she's like, hey, can you help me with the laundry? And <laughs> listen, when that, when that question goes through the hallway. I shudder. It's like, a, it's like a demonic presence in the room. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, I definitely could. And she was like, yeah, because, you know, if you help, it goes half as fast, you know, or, or double as fast, twice as fast. And I said, well, babe, let's do some marriage math here. If I do zero time and you do all the time, but we're one, it's still half the time. And you know what was established that day? A foot in my butt, okay? <laughs> that one's unrelated. That's not real. Well, that was a real story, actually, but nothing was really established other than the foot. So all jokes aside, I hope it's clear, right? I hope it's clear uh, that what is established will show in what we do. And, and to look at the fruit in our own lives. Like look for actions. This is so important. I think we need to be doing this this week. Look for actions in you that come naturally to you and give God glory that he established that in you. Because I'm telling you, when we chalk something up to just a gift or a personality trait, it's a completely different realm and proximity with the Lord where we start giving him credit for establishing it in us. It's two different things. Two different things. So let's, as a family, begin to take this inventory in our own spirits in order to see and then to grow. Amen? So I think the last question is, then, what's our role now? We talked about the what. We talked about the how. And we're going to get a lot more into this over the next two weeks. A couple verses for us. Philippians and Luke. Another famous passage, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, he replied, this is Jesus speaking, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is kind of be, going to be like our action items for this week. Pray, petition, and listen. So we're talking about established, Phil. I feel like I have a decent idea of what you're, what you're saying, what the Lord's speaking, right? We talked about the how. How do we see it? How do we notice it? Uh, how do we start paying attention? So then what do I do this week? Before next week where we go even deeper into this, this is it. Pray, petition, and listen. It's so interesting to me that in Philippians 4, Paul, who, who again, this is this famous passage. We all know this. In all things, pray and petition with thanksgiving and give your requests to the Lord. And yet, it's actually two different words. Pray and petition are two different Greek words. I was talking to someone recently, and they were like, well, praying is petitioning. And it's interesting because it is and it's not at the same time. It wouldn't be differentiated if they were exactly the same. So the word prayer here in Greek means exactly that, prayer. <laughs> That's what it's defined as, prayer. And this is what it says. It's kind of how we chalk this up. It's talking to God, thanking him, connecting with him, proximity to him, right? Primarily in this sense of prayer, it is thanking God. It's gratitude to God. 
And then it says petition. Well, if you look up the definition of the word petition, it pretty much just means a need, to fill a need. Or supplication, depending on the translation you have, it'll say uh, through prayer and supplication, right? So asking something that you need supplied. And a little side note here, uh, I just want to add it that this makes it clear. If our prayers are only us asking for something, that's petitioning, not praying. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That God actually delineates petitioning and praying. They're both good. They're both talking to God. God wants them both. But one is gratitude and thankfulness. Think about the Lord's prayer. How does it start? It's all about God. The petitioning doesn't come till later in the prayer. So we have praying and we have petitioning and we see the difference here. But then Jesus in Luke 8 instructs that blessed are those who hear God imparted. They hear God. It's been imparted. But then what? They go obey it. It's established in them. But let's just talk briefly about these three and what we can be doing in preparation uh, for next week and the rest of this visionary year. So the first thing is pray. This week, maybe even starting now, you can actually be getting with God, asking God what he would want to establish in you. Uh, uh, and actually, how about this? Asking what's been established in you. Like ask God to reveal to you what have you already done? What have you put so deeply in me that I need to recognize and realize that you have done this for me? And then do what? Thank him for it. Thank him for it. Say, oh my gosh, I do these things without thinking about it. I've loved these people without thinking about it. I, I tend to do these types of things and, and it's just natural to me. And actually, instead of just chalking that up like we've said before as something carnal or something you've done or something, saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize till right now, God, you've established that in me. Thank you. Pray in that way to him this week. Second thing is petition. Ask God what he would want established in you. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. Because when we think about petitioning to God, it's like, God, I need the new job. I need the new boo. I need the health diagnosis. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And the context for petitioning here is not that. The context for petitioning here is saying, all right, God, what would you have in me next? I'm actually going to ask you what I need and ask that you give it to me. That's not a popular way to pray. I'm not sure that I pray like that that often. But let's be doing it this week. Let's, let's petition to God that he would show us what needs to be changed, what needs to be deeply grown. He would show us, how about this, friends? This is a prayer I think a lot of us need to be praying. Show him the, ask him to show us the little ease in our lives. What have I established on my own that you're actually looking to uproot so I can establish something new? Do you know that God's establishment will also need, often need something to get out of the way first? So ask him, what are the little E's? What have I done in my own strength? What have I done because Phil wants it? What have I done because it feels good to me? And God, will you help? I'm petitioning to you. Help me get rid of it because I don't know how. I'm the worst. Help me get rid of it so you can establish what you would have established. Talk to him about the areas you need help, the sin that you need uprooted. Petition. He wants to hear these things and he desires to answer the needs in his way. But it's so interesting about prayer and petition. We wouldn't be told to do it if God didn't want to hear it before he would do something. God can do what he wants, let's be very, very clear. And yet prayer is literally, an, it's like an intermediary between us and God that actually shifts something. If you go all the way to Revelation, there is a golden bowl full of God's people's prayers that will be poured out during Revelation. Don't ever tell me your prayers don't matter. So let's pray, let's thank God for what he has done. Let's petition, ask him what he wants to do next, and then let's listen to Holy Spirit, to the word, to each other.
as you pray, as you petition, friends, please hear me as I close up right now. Please do not just throw up a prayer and then go on distracting yourself in every way possible. Please don't just sit at dinner and say a quick little thank you for this food, would it be nourishing my bodies, and then not listen to them until you pray for dinner the next night. You can pray and petition all you want, but if you don't listen for the answers, you won't hear them. Guilty. I wonder how many prayers I've chucked up flippantly to God and he answered them and I just wasn't listening for the answer. I wasn't looking for the answer. So please, if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna commit to pray and petition, please commit to listen. Don't just distract ourselves. Don't just petition to God uh, to help you with the sin and then go do the sin immediately. Spend time with him. Get quiet. Get uncomfortable. Listen for his still small voice. That could be anywhere. Friends, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big like prayer closet guy. I really don't have like a single solitude place I go and close the door where it's super quiet and dark. That's not really me. But I will tell you, I like in every place I go, I'm walking and talking to God. I'm walking and trying to, when I drive, even if I'm listening to music, I'm still trying to listen to God. It's just this, it's an awareness, an attentiveness. It doesn't have to look all always like this like churchy type of stuff that we always like, oh, you have to do this and you have to get on your knees and you have to have a knee pad. And those are all good things. A prayer closet is amazing. If you're a prayer closet warrior, God bless you. And yet it can just be in your bedroom before you go to sleep. It can be sitting at your desk when you got a little downtime. It could be, (laughs) almost made a poop joke. (laughs) And then I did it anyways. But for real, it can be, it can be. Listening is not one size fits all. It's not. So pray, petition, and listen. And lastly, part of that is listening to the word, a.k.a. reading it. Listening to your brothers and sisters. Friends, there's people around you that have probably tried to speak into you in a godly way that you just reject, and it's God talking to you, and you're just not listening. Now be careful. Of course, you need to watch out for the wolves and sheep's clothing, all that good stuff. Of course, please be, be vigilant. And yet, pay attention. Man, you know how many times I talk to specifically young people, and I try to tell them hard truths, and they're like, nah. You know what I'm saying? I got no time for that. And I'm like, but if you were listening, you might have heard something from God. And the word, man, the word will confirm anything and everything you want that's godly. Let's clarify that. Let's clarify that. The things that you're looking for of God, the word will clarify those things. So please be in those things. Be listening, uh, be praying, and be petitioning. Grace family, in their human hearts, they plan their course. But it is God who establishes the steps. I hope you guys are excited for the next couple weeks, next couple months, and this next year. Because we really believe God is going to do amazing things. If you would, pray with me. Father, I thank you for the things that you've established in my heart that have become obvious to me. I pray this hesitantly and yet confidently. I thank you for the things that you're going to establish in me even if it's hard. So, Father, I thank you for this vision that has found so much resonance. God, you have clearly spoken to us. God, would you give us uh, just the boldness to follow it how you would follow it? I pray for every single person in this room, every single person online, any person that this voice will reach. God, would you reveal to us what you have established? Would you reveal to us what you want to establish? And would we be listeners to what you're saying to us? Thank you, Father, that you have established a hundred, if not thousands of things in people and in this place. But God, we're asking for more. You're a God of abundance. We love you. We trust you. And we worship you because you are the only one worshiping. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, (laughs) amen. You guys can stand up and we're going to worship one more time.